Do you have a picky eater in your family? Have you ever wondered how they got that way and what you can do to get them out of it? Join us today as we talk about this and other important things that can help you as moms feed your families. Welcome to the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast, a show that lifts, encourages, supports, and educates mothers to do their best in their awesome responsibility to raise, teach, and champion the rising generation. Join us as we talk to and answer questions from mothers nationwide about the challenges, heartbreaks, joys, and lessons learned from one mother to another. Thank you for joining us today on American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast. My name is Deanne Taylor and I'm your host. We're happy to welcome back Jennifer Harrington. She has been a physician's assistant for over 22 years. She has cared for underserved patients in homeless areas, rural Appalachia, inner city regions, and in developing countries. She now serves as an assistant dean and PA program director. She impacts the lives of others by teaching future medical providers to be devoted to preventative patient care. Jennifer has recently been selected as a PA Foundation Nutrition Outreach Fellow and has been given the task to educate patients, the community, and providers across this nation about nutrition topics. You talked about picky eaters, and there's got to be some short-term and long-term health outcomes for children. But as we talk about this, we don't want mothers to get too panicked in the process, right? Yes. What are some things we can be aware of? Yes. Yeah, so what, one thing I like to encourage moms, and this is more for moms who are expecting, is the patterns of eating that you have when you're pregnant are often the patterns of eating that those kids will have even into adulthood. So they've done several studies on this and even the food choices that you make. So that healthy eating type of choice starts really when you decide to have a baby and when that baby's inside you. And that does carry on to childhood. And in childhood, it's good to set up good patterns early because those patterns, again, a lot of times carry to adulthood. Kids like what they're used to. They like the feeding schedules that they're used to. They like the types of food and those provide comfort for them. So if you make healthy choices, starting when your children are younger and encourage them to make those choices, they're more likely to be healthy adults. Okay, let's take the infant after they're born. What do you put in the bottle contents? And um, when is a good time to get rid of the bottle? I have my own opinions because of my children, but let's hear it from an expert. You know, breastfeeding is recommended for the first six months of life if a mother is capable and able of doing it. It is proven to be the best food for a baby, but not all moms are capable of doing it for whatever reason. So some of the formulas are very similar. I don't like mom shaming moms who do one or the other because each mom has to choose what's best for them. But when it comes to switching that baby over to food, I think there's a lot of different advice out there. That can get moms super confused about, do I start with cereal? Do I start with a certain food? Do I only do one food for a few weeks and then switch to the other? And a lot of that advice has altered and changed. I I think one of the things that surprised me most recently that I found out was all these nut allergies that we have. We used to say 
tell babies to stay away from nuts for the first couple of years of life. And we're finding that that's actually led to some of those allergies. Like we've been too careful. <laughs> so the nutrition studies are really important to follow. But by the time I got to my fourth kid, I think I had a lot more experience. And then I had seen a lot of ways different families do it and even from different cultures. So we had some friends that are raised in the Indian culture and they raised their kids very similarly. And I think I was shocked when I went over to their house and their one year old was eating a spicy curry meal. <laughs> and I thought, boy, that's not something that I was ever taught in my PA school to feed a baby, but that baby was fine. And those babies made really good food choices and their palates were really developed as a young baby. So I do encourage eating very healthy foods very young and not focusing on the cereals and starches like we were once told. We were once told rice cereal, rice cereal, you know, and that's created a pattern of a lot of kids liking a lot of starch. So by the time I got to my fourth kid, mashed avocados was the base of the food. Babies need that fat, those omega-3 and those natural fats for their brain development. And boy, what a better food than, than mashed avocados. And of course, when they're really babies, you know, when they're real little, you have to mash them, extra puree them and add some water and they're more soupy. But as they get bigger, able to handle the textures, then they could become thicker. Wow. I would have loved to have the excuse to have more avocados around the house. That would have been great. Good ideas. Really good ideas. So also, is there a better time to ditch the bottles so they will start eating? Before you talked about our children get their calories from the juices. They need more water. So mm -hmm. I tried not to give my baby's juice in a bottle. The bottle was nutritious. And that's mm -hmm. the way that's why I was. Yeah, I advocate not pushing juice or giving juice to kids really at all, unless it's one of those um, vegetable type juices when they're a little bit older. And when you have your own juicer and you're juicing your own carrots and kale and different things like that. But the juices that come over the counter, the apple juice, orange juice, and the different things that moms typically give their kids aren't very healthy. They don't have a lot of nutritional benefit. There's a lot of sugar that comes with them, a lot of sugar spikes. And that does, even at a young age, tax the pancreas more than it would to eat a piece of fruit, for example. So um, I encourage the bottle itself, usually around a year, making that switch and then switching to water and getting that child used to eating different types of foods. And the more foods, the more textures, the better, because if you get stuck in a rut, and you only stick to one type of food, that kid gets used to it, and then you've created a pattern where they don't want to try a new texture or a new food or a new type of food. Something else we talked about, being persistent as a mom, helping your children, and also mom having a pleasant attitude about the whole process, being the key to success. How can we do that when we're frustrated because they are not responding to the wonderful food we put before them? Yes. And I feel like guilty with my first few kids and then I got a better attitude. So I hope that I can encourage moms to have a better attitude from day one. Just that realization that no matter whatever you have in your mind is your kids should be, they're probably not going to be like that. So being okay with what they like and, um, and just really being pleasantly encouraging. One of those things that we can do as moms to pleasantly encourage is eat that way ourselves, eat a little bit healthier. And when they see us, they model us, you know, kids are modeling their parents all the time. And if they see us 
picking carrots and hummus, for example, over a bag of chips, then those kids are going to be likely to pick the vegetables and the healthier foods. Okay, now you did say there's a lot of snacks that are being pushed on our kids that really are not good for them and could be detrimental in some ways. So what are some of those snacks that we should be aware of? And maybe you can give us some substitutes for them. So the the thing that I think that moms will do, and of course, advertisers love to push it because they found that kids like goldfish, kids like real easy, starchy, prepared snacks. They're easy to take when you go to the zoo or when you're out on a day trip. And really those types of foods are not the best foods for kids. They are the starchy and the simple sugars and the refined carbohydrates or simple carbohydrates are not doing anything to promote nutrition in our children. So whenever we can think of replacing those, and I feel like even now more than my kids were little, there's there's good options out there. They have those little nut and seed packs that are available for kids. And if your kids don't have allergies, they even have ones that they make for certain allergies. So if you're allergic to a certain nut, you can get this nut and seed pack and you're safe. So those are prepackaged and they're easy. I always advocate for something like a fresh fruit. If you can prepare a little bit and cut up some grapes and put it in those little plastic containers, that's going to be way better than a little baggie of animal crackers. I just purchased a dehydrator and my grandchildren love the dehydrated fruit and it's fresh and it has a good flavor. When I cut it, I put it in water with lemon mm-hmm. juice in it and then I just cut it and dehydrate. I don't put anything else on and I cannot believe how I have to guard that they don't eat too much because a whole peach is only 16 pieces of dried mm-hmm. fruit and they would eat more. I said, no, that, that's a peach. <laughs> that's all you can have. So yes, there, there's lo- some things that we can experiment with that our children yeah, I, I love that you do that because what, what you're doing is you're making a food eat more easily transportable. You can take, you know, you can put that in a baggie and take it on a trip with you. It's a healthy food. It's maintaining the fiber and those kids are going to have the nutrient values where they wouldn't if, if you gave them a baggie of goldfish. So well, they still like the goldfish, but they'll eat the food too. <laughs> it's good. Well, mixing it up is good too. Yes. Jennifer, I know we have a lot talk about today, but we need to take a quick 30-second break to thank those who make this podcast possible. We appreciate the support we receive from our listeners, but we also want to thank the companies that provide the services to help us bring you these podcasts every week. Without the technology and expertise of these companies and their generous discounts for American Mothers, the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast would not be possible. I want to do a shout out and a special thanks to Canva, Captivate, and Descript for their support and services. Thank you. Welcome back to American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast. I am Deanne Taylor. We are talking with Jennifer Harrington, who was tasked with educating people about nutrition. You talked about grains. You talked about vegetables. I know there's always some USDA recommended plate of food. When I was growing up, I'm very well aware of this because my dad was diabetic and my mother was so good about preparing meals that were healthy and nutritious that would help him. He had diabetes 40 years before he passed away and he had no ill effects from it. Mm -hmm. So I know that there's really good guidance out there for us Mm -hmm. as mothers and we might not always follow it, but what should we be looking for in a balanced meal? 
So the USDA does have the my plate, and that's a really good way to think about your meals as you're plating them and setting them up. So what it is, they slice that plate down the middle and half of that, you know, 50% of that meal is some kind of vegetable or fruit. And then we have the two other quarters there, and then we have the starch for the one quarter, and then the meats or the proteins for the other. I also think when we're thinking of that, we have to get out of the mindset that a protein is always a meat. I think that especially in our American bacon loving culture, we're always wanting to make the protein a meat, but it doesn't have to be. There's lots of foods that have protein and a lot of other nutrients for kids, adults that are not meat. So it can be a meat, but it can be a beans or something like that. Well, you're powerable. You said sometimes you use quinoa. That has good protein in it too, doesn't it? Ton of protein. Yeah. Yeah, almost more than steak, if I'm thinking back to the last time I looked at the amounts. No, I think you're right. I, <laughs> and I was very surprised how much protein quinoa has in it. And you can use that on a lot of different meals, too, mm-hmm. to to enhance the protein in a one dish. You're powerful. I love that idea. I'm going to start using that with my so. The one struggle that we had a lot when our kids were younger was getting those vegetables in, because even though half of the plate's supposed to be vegetables, they don't always love vegetables. So I remember one time I was at a dentist's office or a doctor's office, and I saw this article on how to sneak vegetables in, and it was making pureed vegetables and sneaking it into your meals. And I did that for years and years and years before my kids realized what I was doing. So I made brownies with pureed sweet potato in them, and I made lasagna that had pureed carrots carrots in the sauce. And so just any way a mom can sneak those extra vegetables in. And even though they're just getting a little bit, they're getting a touch of that taste and that's making them more comfortable with that food as well. My grandchildren love zucchini bread. So I pack it full of zucchini and carrot cake. And yeah, I sneak those vegetables and I've learned how to do that. Mm-hmm. But that's a good tip that many mothers don't know about. Mm-hmm. We also did a lot of smoothies and we still do, but when the kids were young, who doesn't love like a nice cold smoothie Mm -hmm. and berries and spinach with milk for a kid makes an excellent smoothie. Think of that spinach, the protein and the vitamins and everything that spinach has to offer that my kids probably wouldn't eat if I gave it to them alone, but they were ready to eat it in a smoothie. The other flavors, if it's a strawberry or a a berry can overpower that spinach taste quite easily. And the color green is vibrant. So, yeah, I haven't tried, well, not for my grandchildren. One of our favorite smoothies is fresh peaches and blackberries. Mm. We do like fruit smoothies. I should throw in some of the spinach, too. I hadn't thought sure. of that. Throw in some greens a little bit. Start with a little, and then you can work your way up, and you get used to it, and then you prefer the greens. That's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Some, like, just... Start small, Mm -hmm. a no thank you bite, and they don't even know it's there. And then you can increase it as it goes along. Yes. (laughs) Perfect. Jennifer, is it valuable for us to help our children understand the nutritional value of foods when they're younger? Does that help them as they get older? Absolutely. And the more we can talk about food and the positive values that foods have, the more likely kids are going to choose them. So I think a good conversation with 
little kids, even small children over the type of food and what it has and what it can provide for their bodies is a really good idea. I even remember when I was little, my, my dad always telling me, eat your carrots are good for your eyesight. You know, I remember that many years later, those conversations do make an impact. So I encourage moms to learn how to read labels. And as soon as their kids can read, teach them to read labels. Because when you start reading a label and you see a bunch of chemical type things that you don't know on there or things that sound scary, that doesn't sound like a food now, does it? Good point. That's really a good point. (laughs) Yeah. So that will get you thinking about what you're eating and what's inside that package. The package has things like apples and flour and baking soda, the things that you can go and buy at the store, Whole Foods, then then you realize, okay, this is probably a good food, but then there's a big long word. I don't know. I don't know if I want to eat it. A lot of those are preservatives too. Yes. Yes. And, and we don't need any more of that in our bodies anyway, do we? No. <laughs> We've talked about meals in the evening and maybe lunches, but breakfast when kids are running out to school and you're running off to work or whatever, what ideas can you give us for healthy breakfast for family. Yeah. And and breakfast is a hard meal. I have some kids that won't even eat breakfast at all in my family and other ones who want to make definitely the choices that I wouldn't make for them. So a little preparation goes a long way with that. One of the things that we found we do is we make a big pot of overnight oats. So steel cut oats with some fruit. I usually put something like chia seeds in there that's hidden, but has a lot of value for the fats and the omega-3s and and whatnot. And then different fruits and raisins and nuts and and things that I know that they can just take a a scoop of that because it's already cooked. It's in the refrigerator. They take a scoop and put it in the microwave and in a few seconds have something that's super healthy. It's going to fill their bellies and have a lot of nutritional value. The kids don't want that every day though. So I always encourage my kids that if you're going to eat something that mom probably would frown upon eating, eat something at least that mom would be happy about. And we have a good enough relationship where they want to make mom at least half happy. So they'll have a piece (laughs) of fruit with their pop tart. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Mother got up and did crack wheat every morning. My children didn't. But there are a lot of choices, I think, that we plan. What about a boiled egg, having our boiled eggs? Oh, yes. Hard boiled eggs, the kids will usually eat. And that's so easy and accessible in the morning to grab something like that. But like you said, that could be an alternative. Mm-hmm. Good idea. Any other last tidbits you'd like to share with us? Let's see. I would say... You know, as we grow and as our palates change, as kids' palates change, I would encourage families to always think about including at least one really nutrient-dense item in every meal. So all meals don't have to be perfect. There's always going to be something that somebody likes that maybe isn't on the healthiest range. But if you can encourage all kids and adults to at least pack one kind of nutrient dense, you know, I like broccoli. This is my nutrient dense thing. I'm going to put that on my meal and then I'll have all the other stuff that I'm not supposed to have with it. But at least I've had my broccoli. It's a good way to balance things. At least you're getting some of it in. They're another mom happy type of a thing. Even that's a personal thing. You don't have to beat yourself up if you don't want to have every portion of your meal help. Exactly. It's a good thing to balance it. Balance the not so good with some of the good. Even Mm -hmm. if we teach our children that, that is like you kind of said, at least make mom half happy. So it makes your body half happy too. Anyway, it'll help us along the way. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for your time and sharing your information with us today. 
Do you have any information you can share with us? We could put in the show notes where mothers might be able to go to find more information. I do. Because I'm part of the, the Nutritional Outreach Fellowship this year, there are some resources with that. They have a few videos. They have videos on diabetics, the videos on the MyPlate method that are really easy, accessible. And I'll provide those links for you. And that way you can invite moms to look at those. Okay. I'll put those in the show notes then. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> Thanks again, Jennifer. And you have a good day. Yeah, you have a great day. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you being with us. Thanks, Jennifer. The mission of American Mothers is to educate, inspire, and recognize mothers through programs that teach, support, and honor mothers, empowering them to positively impact their families and communities. I have enjoyed being with American Mothers since 1976. It has been a real positive influence in my life, not only as a mother, but also as a person and working with other mothers. I personally invite you to join with us as we work together to build mothers and our families. Go to AmericanMothers.org to find out more about the organization, and please click join. We welcome you to join us mom to mom. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another episode where moms get together and explore a topic that can help all of us mom to mom. Hi, my name is Natalie Fikes, and I am Georgia Mother of the Year. Sadly, what does it mean to you to be selected Mother of the Year for your state? What it means to me to be selected as Mother of the Year for my state is the opportunity to draw attention to how important motherhood is to our state by bringing to the top of the mind that the mothers are the ones that drive the communities and raise all those corporate big people, right? <laughs> to become who they are. So it's just, it's a great honor. So can you tell me that something that is unique about life as a mom for you? What's unique in my life as a mom mm -hmm. is that I feel like my boys are the parent. <laughs> I feel like I'm the one doing all of the learning. And I'm not sure if that's happening for everyone else, but it's unique for me because that's not what I was told motherhood is. <laughs> How old are your boys? My boys are 11 and 15. And I also read that you raised your sister as well, correct? I did. I raised my sister when she was entering into high school. Wow, that's beautiful. That's very special. What is something you discovered about yourself through your motherhood journey? What I, I've discovered so many things about myself through my motherhood journey. One is that this, that drive that I had for business and for execution and that I didn't think I could do really well in the domestic space, I realized that they're interchangeable. And so what I feel has made me successful in both spaces is just <laughs> using what I know to be true and what has worked and figuring out how I can use that same approach since it was already successful in business, how can I use that to be successful with the human touch as well? And focusing on that instead of the fact that I have no idea what I'm doing has helped me to kind of get through it. 
but you also mentor a lot of other children just beside your boys, correct? So you're kind of oh, like yeah. a mom to a whole bunch of kiddos. Oh yeah. I didn't realize that these two ears are, are the most important thing and to just listen. And that's why I draw so many people to me. So it's just this, this natural thing that, that I have. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of mom to mom encouragement. We understand that being a mother can be overwhelming, but we hope that you found something useful you can apply to your own life. We invite you to share this episode with a friend who might also enjoy the message. The mission of American Mothers is to support mothers, empowering them to positively impact their families and communities. We want each one of you to discover and share your innate, inherent, and natural abilities to bless your children and others. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of American Mothers Incorporated, its members or employees. AMI is not responsible for, nor does it verify the accuracy of the information contained in the podcast, nor does the series constitute any professional advice or services. We look forward to visiting with you one mom to another next week. Until then, just do your best at mothering and remember you're not alone. You've got an army of mothers all around you cheering you on.